Hello everyone, it's so good to be with you all. My name is uh, Sergio Arguello and I lead the Riverside Church. Uh, welcome back to our Rooted series. Today we're going to cover Colossians chapter 3. And the title of today's message is Life in Christ. Be the solution. Now we know that uh, nowadays we're going through just a lot of crisis. A lot of different things are going on in our world. And something that I've heard recently is, Sergio, please, as ministers, could we stop talking about all the things that are going on? You know, could we talk about hope? Could we talk about love? Could we just focus on something entirely different? And, and I've asked, okay, why uh, should we not talk about current events, things that are going on? What is it that you're feeling? Because this is stirring up so much for people. And truly what I've found is that people don't see any solutions to the problems that we're dealing with. And so we just kind of want to push it aside. Hey, let's ignore this. Let's just talk about Jesus and that's it. Maybe these things would just go away uh, somehow. But I tell you this, guys, and I want to encourage you with this. I want to I want to help you to be stronger in your faith that we need to be the solution through our relationship in Christ. Jesus lives inside each and every single one of us. And we're going to see in Colossians 3 how Paul really encourages the church to dig deep. And because Christ lives in them, that they have the power to be the solution to all the issues that they're facing in the church. I promise you this, we are going to get through this. I do want to ask you in all of this to trust God and to trust us as your spiritual leaders, as your shepherds. We're trying to guide the congregation spiritually, scripturally. Don't freak out. You know, the, these times will pass. We're going to get better. Uh, the church is going to be able to deal with these issues inside the church. We won't be able to solve all the world's problems, and we're never going to be able to do that. Uh, God wasn't able to do that. Now, there is a solution to the problems in this world to sin, and that is through a relationship with God and through being in Christ. But not everybody is going to choose God, and we got to understand that. Our solution within the church, people's solution that want to find a way out of their crisis is to turn to Christ and to live a life in Him. And we got three points today that we're going to look at. And being part of the solution requires living a life dedicated to focusing on things above. That's the first part of chapter three. Uh, point number two is living a life dedicated to putting to death the sinful nature. You know, the sinful nature, uh, Satan uses this to want to take us out, to completely disqualify us uh, for a relationship with God and to make it to heaven. And lastly, point number three is a life dedicated to a unity that is bound in love. Satan wants to disunify us. He wants to mess up our relationships that we have with one another in Christ you know, God wants us to be part of the solution. The only way we're going to do that is to have a unity that's bound in love. We want to be able to calm the current crisis that we're in. All the COVID situations and how that messes us up with our emotions. Uh, you know, you, you may be feeling depressed. You may be feeling anxious. 
you know, your OCD may be kicking in, all the racial tensions that we see because of racial inequality in the world. Uh, we want these issues to disappear. We want to calm this crisis. And it's really hard to do that without Christ. We got to be able to dig deep in our relationship with him, ground ourselves in him, because these problems have existed for a long, long time. Even as some of these pop up in the church, you know, and we love our church. The church is awesome. I love the church. It, it, it's, you know, it's incredible. It's a jewel. It's something that we should value uh, above all else here in the world, you know, besides our relationship with God. But yet we are imperfect. There are some problems that exist. Some of these are kind of beneath the surface that we haven't uh, really noticed until the pressure that is building now has brought them up to the surface. And now what we need to do is we need to address them, but we need to address them in a godly and spiritual way. Uh, the pressure that we're under has not caused the cracks. It has just revealed some of these that they actually exist. Now we're either going to be part of the problem or we're going to be part of the solution. God wants us as Christians to be part of the solution. Uh, we're going to be part of resolving problems, not only in the church, but also being a light to the world, bringing hope to them that the crisis that they're facing, uh, they could get out of that. They could find solutions for that and find hope through Christ in the church. In the church, we should deal with those things much, much uh, differently than the world. The world should not be ahead of us in the way that they deal with crisis. The church needs to be way ahead of the world. And, you know, sometimes our cracks are revealed when the church kind of falls behind on some of those things. So let's go ahead and look at how we could be part of the solution. Point number one, focus on things above. So in Colossians chapter three, verses one through four, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, at the very beginning of the scripture, it says, uh, it states a truth and it's saying, since you have been raised with Christ. So all of us that are disciples of Jesus, that are Christians, we have been raised in Christ, we have been born again, and because we've been born again, we no longer belong to this world. We belong to the kingdom of heaven, and so here on earth, our hearts, uh, our emotions, uh, our minds, um, our thoughts, and our life should be focused entirely on things above and submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus you know, just as he established a kingdom in heaven, he also came to establish a kingdom here on earth for disciples of Jesus to live by the rules of heaven before they actually get to heaven itself. And it's ruled by Christ and by the standards of the scriptures and the standards of heaven. Uh, so what do we do? We set our hearts, our emotions on heavenly things. We set our hearts Above. So right now, uh, how does that apply to us? 
Well, right now, people are freaking out. Their emotions are being triggered all over the place. Maybe you could relate with this. Ask yourself, how am I responding to current challenges that I'm facing? Whether it has to do with COVID, you know, and, and, and maybe some of the fears that come along with that. Uh, you know, may, maybe, uh, maybe you're having issues with wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. Uh, and it freaks us out. You know, all these different things freak us out. I mean, there's people really getting sick and dying out there. Uh, a lot of different bad things are happening and people want to express their freedom. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't need to wear a mask. And, you know, you could put somebody at risk or maybe even your family. Um, you know, we get a little bit nationalistic. I have my freedoms. I don't need to wear a mask. All these emotions uh, are, are playing themselves out. You know, those that uh, choose to wear masks, other people are saying, well, you know, you just have no faith and you don't trust in God, as if those that are getting sick and dying uh, didn't have enough faith to not get sick. I mean, some of these emotions uh, have no basis on Scripture and no basis on focusing on heaven and looking above. Um you know, we get carried away emotionally by all these things. And so I want to ask you and I want to ask myself, are you grounding yourself spiritually, scripturally, and not letting your emotions run wild, not letting your heart run wild, but letting your heart be focused above, you know, being able to look to God uh, you know, or are you holding kind of a nationalistic, you know, I, I'm American and I have my freedoms. Um, you know, we've even, you know, I've even heard people say, Christians say, this is America. If you don't like it, get out. And I, I've been the recipient of some of that. I remember living in the South and I went to the post office and they knew me really well at the post office. They knew I was a pastor and they were very respectful. That's kind of how the South is. And one day I ran into a friend that I had made coaching baseball and he was a Cuban gentleman and you would have not known that he was Cuban and you probably would not have known uh, that I'm Nicaraguan, that I'm Latino, but we saw each other and at the post office, we were excited to see each other. We hugged each other. Uh, he's like, Hey brother, how you doing? And uh, you know, the, the lady behind the, uh, behind the desk there, behind the register, uh, you know, was smiling and all of a sudden we started talking in Spanish. You know, 100 miles an hour, Cubans and Nicaraguans speak really fast. And they gave us the dirtiest look and said, this is America. You do not speak Spanish at the post office. And I said, are you serious? And they said, yeah, we don't know if you're going to blow this place up, if you're terrorists whatever you may be, you need to take that junk outside. God bless America. And it just, you know, it just floored me. And, you know, he had been living there a while, so he wasn't shocked by it. So there was this nationalistic view uh, of even God. To use God in their words as they're saying this stuff uh, was just crazy to me. They knew I was a pastor. They knew I was a Christian. And they threw God in the mix of this nationalistic uh, pride. And yeah, it was offensive, but it was really eye-opening to things that go on uh, in the world. And we could also hold political views and different things, you know, some kind of extreme views 
that get us focused uh, or get our hearts off uh, focus on Jesus, on the above. And, and all these emotions well up and then nation takes precedence over our Christian uh, citizenship. Uh, you know, political views uh, take uh, precedence over our life in Christ. And I tell you what, Jesus, Jesus was not about all that. Jesus was focused on heaven. Jesus was focused on policing the Father. Those are unrighteous emotions, and yet they could live in the hearts of many people. That's not Christianity. I've also heard recently from some people, which, you know, which kind of I, I found funny, uh, that I'm a liberal or I'm a Democrat, and I don't associate with any political party. However, I do have biblical views on humanity that make people feel otherwise. And so that tells me that, that some are holding to uh, views politically that dictate how they're going to live their life, even scripturally. You know, there's a scriptural view that, you know, is somehow related to a political party, then I'm not going to hold that scriptural view uh, because I don't want anything to do with that political party. And that, that is so far away from focusing on things above. You know, we get all twisted up. We should have no relation to anything outside the scriptures first. And so we got to set our hearts, our emotions on being focused on things above, on the, uh, on the spiritual, on the scriptural. If, you know, one or a few of our biblical convictions for whatever reason lines up with a few of a political party's view, it does not for that reason invalidate or nullify what the Bible says. Apply the Bible. You know, Jesus did not have these Western views, nor was he nationalistic. He had a heavenly view, one of a spiritual kingdom that he came to establish here on earth. However, he was considered political and was seen as one that was a threat to the government and the establishment, also the religious establishment. He was seen as a threat and he did not act on emotion. He acted strictly on conviction. His heart was set on the heavenly, how to please the Father and how to do His will. And he acted often in a passionate way when it had to do with injustices that were carried out towards people. And he acted passionately with religious leaders that oppressed others with their exclusivity and self-righteousness. Jesus was passionate. He was seen as one that came to start a revolution that would establish a heavenly kingdom here on earth. And I tell you what, that's what we all got excited about when we first found Jesus, when we first started reading the Bible, that, wow, I could have a purpose for my life, and it's very revolutionary in nature that we're going to come here now and have a purpose that's going to help people make it to heaven, to have a totally different focus, to have their hearts their emotions now focused on things above, grounding themselves in scripture, in prayer. Now let's talk about the mind. Jesus also, or the scripture also talks about setting our mind on things above. That has to do with thoughts. Where does your mind wander? Where does it go to during, let's say, times of silence or times of trouble, times of turmoil? 
where do your thoughts go? You know, do they get all jumbled up? They go, you go to bad places, or are you focused on the heavenly and spiritual, where it guides you to scripture and wanting to police the Father? When attacked by Satan, you know, Jesus turned to scripture. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, when he was tempted by Satan, he went right to scripture and he grounded himself in those. And then the latter part there of uh, chapter uh, verses uh, 1 through 4, uh, it says that you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, our life should be entirely enveloped by Christ. That means that our actions should reflect what Jesus would do, how he would want us to live our lives. How are we living our lives? Are we behaving like Christ would behave in certain situations? How are our relationships in the fellowship? Are we having relationships that would glorify Christ, that would be exemplary of his life? That would be a great, uh, you know, I, I guess, imitation uh, of what he would do. You know, and, and I'm not just talking about those that you're close to, but those that are different than you and those that you may not totally relate to. Would they say, wow, this guy is a walking representation of Christ or wow that sister I just feel so loved and ministered uh, to by her you know I, I ask you that because that's exactly what our lives should be you know if, if we were to show a recording to the church whether it be audio or video of our responses to some of these corona uh, virus challenges uh, or, or some of the racial inequality issues that we're facing now, some of the political things that are going on in our world, would we be found to be one that acts like Jesus would act or is imitating the example of Jesus? Would we be found to be one that has a spiritual response in how we relate to other people and these current challenges? So I want to encourage you, be part of the solution. Focus on things above and let your life be guided by the example of Jesus because he lives inside of us. Point number two, put to death the sinful nature. Verse five, it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So part of being the solution and calming this crisis, you know, dealing with the situations that we're uh, faced with, uh, all these challenges is putting to death our sinful nature. Many people right now are dealing uh, with all sorts of different things, uh, all sorts of different sins uh, in their life. You know, people are isolated. They're feeling uh, so many different things. And the first list here from verses 5 through 7 of these sins uh, has to deal with sins that are driven 
by selfishness, sins that are dealing more with seeking pleasure than seeking a connection with God or seeking to be holy people. And these are sins that typically take out younger people, younger disciples, uh, because they have to do with pleasure-seeking behavior. And many of uh, young, many of uh, the young Christians, not just in our ministry, but around the world, are being faced with uh, the challenge of being alone, being at home, being locked up, or just going to work and coming back, uh, coming back home or doing school online, and they're feeling isolated. They're feeling separated. They're feeling like they're not having the interactions uh, socially that they're used to having, uh, maybe physically hugging somebody or sitting across from somebody. And it's been very, very challenging to them. And much of their Christianity has been based on being able to have these close relationships, doing things that are fun, doing things that are very active in nature. And when those things are taken away, oftentimes the cracks are revealed in their walk with God. Maybe even our own walk with God. These cracks are being revealed. All the social is taken away now what? Where is your relationship with God now? And so we want to be able to fill that void. People want to fill that void and often they will turn to sin or pleasure-seeking behavior which leads people to fall into sin. And as a church, this could be something that plagues us just because we're an awesome church and you know we're part of the kingdom of God. We feel like, oh, we shouldn't struggle with this. But absolutely, we struggle with these things. Uh, some people have decided, some young people have decided, I'm just going to take a break from God and I'm going to take a break from church for a little bit until this coronavirus thing is over. And then they start pursuing relationships uh, with non-Christians, maybe a young man or, or a young lady, um, you know, seeking things out in the world that bring pleasure uh, or just throw uh, all caution to the wind, and I'm just going to live my life, and if I get sick, and if I get my parents sick, or something something like that, who cares? I'm just going to live it up. Uh, you know, it, it's hard during COVID. It's hard during this pandemic uh, to be able to have the social interaction that we're used to having. So how could we be part of the solution for those that are struggling with these types of sins? I tell you what, we could pray for our younger brothers and sisters who find themselves struggling with sin. If they're going to put to death the sinful nature, we got to pray for them. But I also want to encourage you to do this. How about maybe we adopt some of our younger brothers and sisters into our families? Let's love up on them. Let's help them find strength in God so that they can get rid of these sins in their life, so that they could put to death the sinful nature. Let's help strengthen them so that they could find their way, that they could make it to heaven one day. Now, the latter part in verse 7, uh, verse 8, I'm sorry, it says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. These are sins that are driven by some of our past, our old hurts, bitterness, resentment. These are things of the spirit that well up in us in negative behavior, in negative actions. They may come from a lack of understanding other people's situation. Maybe 
a lack of empathy uh, towards others or a lack of tolerance or considering others before ourselves. And Sergio, how does that happen? Well, let me explain this to you a little bit. You may have overcome some pretty major challenges in your life. You may have gone through some very painful things in your past. And because you may feel like you have forgotten those things or have been able to uh, not let those things affect some of your behaviors now that you're a Christian, when other people struggle and when other people feel hurt or experience hurt or they want to share some of those things, it could be very easy to let some of this bitterness, some of this resentment uh, come out. Maybe you haven't dealt with it fully and this stuff comes out and it's rear, it rears its ugly head and it leads us to sinning, to having an anger, to having a rage about us, to having malice and slander and, you know, stuff comes out of our mouth even. Um, and, and these old hurts and these uh, old sins, you know, pop up once more and they show themselves even in the fellowship. We're seeing some of that now, but I tell you what, we are the kingdom of God and we could rid ourselves of these things. And Paul talks about it because it was a problem in the church. He's not talking about it because it didn't exist and the church should be perfect. But he's saying, guys, we got to deal with this in our life. If we're going to be part of the solution to these world's problems, we got to rid ourselves of these sins. And we could do it because we have a relationship with Christ. We should be clothed with Christ. Scripture talks about that too. We, we should be living a life in Him, and so we should rid ourselves of these things. And as brothers and sisters, we should help each other out with these things. Well, how do we do that, Sergio? How do we help each other out when we're sinful and we, you know, we sin against each other, we hurt each other? Well, that takes us to our next point. Point number three, we got to have a unity that is bound in love. Starting in verse 9 of chapter 3, it says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the very beginning of verse 9 starts talking about being honest, being truthful, with each other. Okay, so if we're going to have a unity that's bound in love, we first got to start by not lying to each other, by being completely honest and open with each other. Hey, we have put off the old self. We're no longer those old individuals that we used to be when we lived in the world. We now speak the truth to each other, but we're not mean and inconsiderate when we do it. You know, we also don't ignore issues by sweeping them under the rug, but we're honest, we're loving, we're able to have and willing to have 
meaningful conversations that consider and value the other person's experiences as a human being. I mean, there are things that I have experienced that are crazy. And I would hope that if I share them with somebody, they're able to validate my experiences and some of the feelings that I have because of those experiences, because to me, they are very real. Another Nicaraguan uh, or another Latino brother may not have had the same experiences. However, they don't invalidate my experiences because they didn't have them. And so I want us to be able to have these meaningful conversations where we're able to share the truth with one another and value each other's experiences. And we could do that because we have a life in Christ and we should have this unity uh, that, that totally surpasses everything else that people in the world do not have. And the scripture goes on and it says that we are obviously uh, different. You know, in many ways, there are uh, some that are Scythian, barbarians, uh, slave or free, uh, you know, men and women. Uh, we are very, very different. And our uniqueness in those things, um, you know, th those things are our differentness. It's not ignored by the world. And, and the world values uh, some of those differences uh, more than others. You know, some things are seen more positively. Uh, other of our differences are seen more negatively. Um, you know, these qualities, whatever they may be, whether they're race, color, nationality, socioeconomic uh, status, uh, age, able-bodiedness, I wrote down all sorts of things, intellect, position, education, uh, or even gender. You know, the world will use them and some will be valued uh, more than others. Some will be seen as more favorable than others and we will be treated accordingly by the world. But in God's kingdom, in the church, it should not be that way because we are all in Christ. Our identity should be found in Christ. And so how do we deal with these uh, unique qualities in us and these differences? Uh, not that we ignore them because they're very visible uh, to one another, whatever they may be. But we should celebrate these things. The very fact that we are disciples of Jesus allows us to look at each other and our differences. And instead of bringing, um, you know, displeasure or hatred or looking down on one another, these things should be celebrated, you know, in a major way, in a great way. Whether we have a Filipino brother and sister, man, we should celebrate that. A black brother and sister, we should celebrate their blackness. A, 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 an Irish brother, we should celebrate their Irishness, uh, you know, because we are disciples of Jesus. You know, despite all those differences, our identity is found in God, in Christ, first and foremost, and we should not treat each other like the world does. Now, how would we know if we're letting some of the world into the church and we're treating each other differently based on these differences. Well, we got to ask those that have felt uh, mistreated in the world, typically, if they feel some of that in the church. 
We don't want to often have these conversations because they're uncomfortable, but we can't lie to one another. We got to be able to have these interactions. And some of these interactions are, you know, that I've been having over the last four to six weeks have been some of the most beautiful interactions I've ever had as a Christian, where I have been able to feel completely unified with brothers and sisters that I just didn't fully uh, take the time before to understand and to get and to hear out. And I want to encourage you, don't let those things frustrate you, those differences or those experiences that you may not have experienced, but really listen and, and let yourself soak it in and value those things. In the church, we need to value each other's differences and love one another because we are all part of the same family. You will notice that some people have not had negative experiences in the church, whether it be racism or uh, mistreatment in, in any way, and some have. And, and that's to be expected because we are all sinners. We're going to sin against each other. I have sinned against some of you. And some of you have brought it up to me and said, Sergio, hey, you sinned against me. And my response to that is, hey, I'm really sorry if I sinned against you, bro. Sergio, you gave me this crooked look and I don't know what that meant. Or you passed me up and you didn't greet me in the fellowship. What was that all about? Or bro, you didn't consider me when you were preaching or saying this or saying that. And my response to that is not, hey, you're crazy. You must have imagined it. But my response is, hey, I'm really sorry you know, I want to be better. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Is there anything else that I need to uh, learn or that I need to hear from you? We need to be solution-minded, not being so easily offended because there are things and areas that we need to improve either as individuals or as a church. We are far from perfect, even though our church is awesome and I think we have the best thing going anywhere. I think we are incredible. So again, we need to find our identity in Christ, every single one of us. If there's somebody in the fellowship that is not feeling our, that way, it is our Christian responsibility to have dialogue in love, to seek to right what is wrong, to not be quick to disprove other experiences but to be able to validate them, acknowledge them, and to try to right the wrong that exists. Sergio, how do we do this You know, in our hearts? How do we achieve this? Because I still have all these feelings that kind of creep up, that well up in me. Well, the scripture goes on to say that we got to clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. That's the only way we're going to be able to listen to each other and find our identity in Christ. To be able to hear one another out with that Christian or that Christ-like compassion. You know, with that Christ-like kindness. With that humility where we put ourselves last. Where we have a gentleness almost as if we're listening to our loved children or our loved ones, and a patience uh, that's just incredible. I mean, how patient has God been with you? Let's express that same type of patience and offer each other that same type of patience uh, to one another. Now, how about for those that have been hurt or offended, for those that are just feeling a lot, um, 
the scripture goes on to say, you know, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, if you're feeling accused in any way, there's, there's many people that I've heard, hey, I feel accused right now. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, love binds unity completely, you know, fully, uh, you know, in Christ. And if we're going to be unified in the church, if we're going to have the unity that Christ wants us to have, it will only come because it's bound in love. All these different qualities that it talks about having, you know, that compassion, that patience, that kindness, all of that comes from love. So hopefully this helps you. Uh, you know, I hope this encourages you. I want us to live a life in Christ. That, that's what Paul is encouraging, encouraging the church to do. Live a life in Christ. Because that's the only way that we as Christians are going to be a solution to all the madness around us. You know, it was true in Colossians 3, as Paul sat in prison, and all these false teachings and all this drama was going on in the world, and even coming into the church, that the only way to be the solution to these issues, to this crisis, was to ground themselves and to find their life in Christ. Let's do that. Let's imitate him every step of the way by focusing on things above, by, you know, by killing the sin in our life, by putting to death that sinful nature, and lastly, by having a unity that is bound in love. You know, the cross makes this all possible. Jesus dying on the cross, him being an example of how to end a crisis. I mean, he, he ended sin in us. You know, he killed it. He took it away that we could have a relationship with him and with God by dying on the cross for us. You know, let's think about that as we pray for the communion right now. Dear Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so much for how you love us and the example that you gave us in Christ. Him giving his life for us, that we could have a relationship with you, that we could make it to heaven, that we could have a life also in him and be part of the solution to the world's problems. We are grateful for that. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to send your Son for us. I pray that we could learn from his example and be people that you could be proud of, be uh, children that you could look at and smile and say, they are doing my will. They're not being nationalistic or political. Uh, they're not being hateful or spiteful uh, towards one another or towards any people but they are just loving each other. They are finding their identity in Christ. They are backing each other up. You know, they are, they are allies to one another when they suffer. They are feeling for one another in times of pain or crisis. They are teaming up to be a unified people, being a great example to the world. 
Thank you, God, for making all that possible through the crucifixion, through the death, burial, and resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.